and a one, and a two, and a one, two, three, four. Hey everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Knife Life Podcast. I'm Frank. I go by Dr. Frunky on Instagram and YouTube. I'm joined tonight by two of my colleagues. We've got Dave, Every Dave Carey. How you doing? I'm good, Frank. Good to be here. Welcome to the show. And we have Charlie, Accidentally Knives. Happy to be back. Awesome. We're glad to have you back, man. It's been a few weeks. It has. It's been multiple more than one yeah we have a bit of a short cast today for a couple of reasons number one uh eugene kwan uh our original cast member has decided for personal reasons to step away from the knife hobby and uh, he will not be on the podcast for the foreseeable future everything is good with him uh but he's just stepped away and uh we wish him all the best and uh so we have permanently installed dave as a permanent cast member welcome to the show thank you very much i've been installed yes you are installed we're we're thrilled to have you man it's been a lot of fun having you on the show uh in a couple of episodes before and uh you bring some great insight into uh these perspectives so uh tonight we have charlie back but mike is also not here mike was busy with some work and so he won't be joining us we're just a three-person crew tonight guys uh, and so we just wanted to catch up. It's been a little while since we've spoken to Charlie. And so I think we wanted to just talk about some of the latest uh, acquisitions and things happening in our knife lives. And so, Charlie, why don't you take it away, man? It's been a while. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been pretty quiet, I guess, mostly. I think a big part of it is um, where I am I'm very happy with the pieces I have. And uh, I don't have the same... You know, I don't have the same lust for that next piece where everybody's always like, uh, you know, you, you when you want something, you, you, you lust for it. And you're like, this is the knife that will kind of end my hobby until you get it. And then you start looking, looking for the next one. I think always. for the past maybe four or five years I've been like that. But recently I've been, I don't know, I've been very content. So what I have been doing, though, I have uh repurchased or so to speak reacquired a, a couple pieces I, I did let go in the past not not the exact ones but variations of it um just for one reason or another maybe i regret letting it go some sort of like i don't know just some uh attachment issue that i can't get over so i ended I up totally uh, feel that i i get what you're saying yeah so I I used to have a I had a BBM before um, and then I think this was before the whole uh, popularity thing that you started um, <laughs> and I managed to acquire another one recently and it's I love it it's great I saw that that's awesome that's yeah. really awesome yeah the, the the first one for whatever reason it didn't really uh, speak to me. I think it was because I didn't have one with the fuller. I, w I will say that the fuller is, is sort of a must-have. Um, Certainly yeah. adds to the visual effect. It really uh, defines that. Yeah, look. It, it, it it it. Normally, I'm not a fan of fullers, but it it just works on this knife, and I will say on the Shure 111s, the fullers work. Everything else. <laughs> I, I was like, how long will it be until Charlie says Shiro or Thorburn? 
That's All good. Right. That's good. Perfect. I know. Man. I know. I know. You're you're pretty familiar with uh, BBMs, Frank. Absolutely. Absolutely. I actually uh, just acquired another BBM myself. Uh, I sold the it's a what I call looking one. It's very simple. Very simple <laughs> materials. Only you know two materials. Uh, no, that's not true. I actually sold the the OG BBM, the original green uh, and black guy. Somebody offered me a price I simply couldn't turn down. And uh, it was literally the price that I said, you know, this is absolutely I would sell for this price if anyone ever offered it to me. And so it moved. And uh, I did not actually know that this was going to happen. But like moments after I moved that knife, like I was offered an opportunity to pick up a full dress custom Robert Carter. And I posted that all over my Instagram and stuff. Definitely going to be a uh, popular knife to photograph here. Absolutely insane piece. Yeah, that really fits into your collection quite nicely. Oh, but uh, man. I was laughing last podcast. We were talking about how, you know, we were go- getting back to the basics and simple materials. And then uh, <laughs> that was like such a, a frunky, frunky pickup. So congrats. It's a it's a beauty. Thanks. You know, actually, I will uh, give a shout out to one of our viewers, uh, Garrett, over at the Koenig Knives team. He goes by Sharp Aesthetics on Instagram. Uh he actually sent me a hilarious uh, response to my story today. It was a picture of this BBM, and he quoted our last episode where I said, you know, is Mokutai overdone? Is Are we done with these high-end materials? Is it is it boring? <laughs> and uh, so it was nice to have that sent back to us. So thanks to all of our listeners who uh, are paying attention and, uh, and listening to our ramblings. Thanks, Garrett, for that. That was great, man. Um, but definitely building up the the Robert Carter collection. I really enjoy his work a lot, and uh, it's great to have this BBM. Um, gonna have uh, I got my custom tech back from him. I dropped it back in February onto asphalt and absolutely destroyed it. Like really messed it up. And uh, he touched it up and sent it back. I got it today also. Like just total fluke. That knife has been gone since March, and it showed up today along with the BBM. So double mail call today for Carter. So that was cool. Uh, how about you, Dave? What do you got? What have you been getting lately? Um, I've been kind of going back over the last year between like like paying attention to slip joints and like chasing a few on, on that end of things and then kind of pausing and going to modern knives. And uh, and I kind of the last last few months definitely been back in the slip joint arena. Um, talked about on the last episode, I think uh, that native tail lock by Jared Ozer. I got that and it's just a it's a home run. It's like definitely a a growl piece definitely high end as far as that stuff goes um Beautiful so been, thank you very much that's been getting a lot of pocket time um but i had an opportunity to pick up another ozer uh from the facebook group it's a knife that when he first posted i just fell absolutely head over heels in love with and um and it it came up and i it was like a compulsive reaction i didn't even my brain didn't do anything. <laughs> My fingers just were like, I'll take it. Um, so it's it's a really cool piece. It's a um, it's Jared's sort of spin on the Bob Loveless City Knife. So for those of you who don't know, Bob Loveless, old school OG fixed blade maker. Uh, everybody who makes fixed blades, you know, uses his patterns. And um, you'd know him if you see him. Um, definitely an OG in the game. And he has a model called the City Knife. And there's some slip joint and, and modern makers that have sort of taken that aesthetic and turned it into a folder. Um, so this is Jarrett's spin on it. It's a smaller slip joint. Um, it's got a big stainless steel brushed bolster. And the handle material is uh, pretty cool. It's, it's, 
Ragmicarta from a pulley from the escalator in Macy's on the on 34th Street in Manhattan. Um, so it's kind of got like this cool city lineage of in the handle material, which obviously plays into the the city knife um, pattern. So it's just a it's just a beautiful knife, and uh, I've been really enjoying carrying that one. You know, it's been really interesting. I've seen some people trying to sell these random pieces of rag micarta. Like I saw someone selling one of those pulleys at some point. Yeah, you'll see the gears pop up. Um, you'll see uh, like the houses from housings from old radios. So you yeah. know, Westinghouse in the early 1900s, you know, sort of it developed that material, and then they went on to make all sorts of things out of it. Um, and so now that the material is sort of in demand for for mostly knife handles and like jewelry makers and stuff like that, uh, the raw materials are are worth more than the antiques that they sort of represent. Um, and you know, rag micarta and vintage and antique micarta. There's there's all sorts of different um, sort of eras of it, right? So if you get into the actual Westinghouse brand stuff, that's the most in demand. Uh, kind of harder to find more expensive raw material, and it's not just rag. It's 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 linen. It's ivorite. It's all sorts of different um, textures and colors and everything. Um, and you know, some of those like. That my carta in and of itself is a hobby that people, you know, collect and go crazy over. And then all the way up to like modern guys who are who are still making my carta today and doing some funky stuff. Um, but I, I just like the old stuff and, and the older and more rare and more unique it is, the you know, the more I'm I'm excited about it. Um I have a knife from Jason Tabor, who's a slip joint maker, um, that has rag my carta handles and it came from a yard ball. So like yard ball is kind of like a bocce ball type of a game um, that they mm-hmm. played in Germany, I guess. And so it was a, a yard ball from the 70s and and guys will slice them up into, you know, into discs and then use it for handle material. So uh, for whatever reason, my carter just has always spoke to me. And then as I got more and more into the hobby, the, the antique and harder to find stuff um, just kind of became that those materials that I go after, like. Someone might go after, you know, a Timascus or more modern materials. I like the older stuff. Sure, I totally am in the uh, the Timascus camp right now. All the <laughs> uh, the layered materials. I'm just, uh, it's all about. I'm all about it right now. One day I will evolve my tastes, and I too will probably go after the vintage micartas and things. But that's cool. I, uh, you know, I wanted to say thank you, uh, Dave, for sending me a slip joint. You actually sent me one of your penas. What are your thoughts, Frank? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's super nice, man. Like, so t- in my head, like, uh, you know, when someone says slip joint to me, I'm thinking about my the first knife I ever had, which was a Swiss Army knife. You know, little slip joint Swiss Army knife. A I'm like, man, yeah, a little Victorinox. You know, a little like the tiny one with only two blades and like a toothpick and stuff. You know, it's uh, one of them's a screwdriver and one of them's a blade, and. Uh, you know, so for my whole kind of life, that's been my idea of what a slip joint is. And, the, of course, the, like, the case knife that my, your grandfather had, that my grandfather had. The, a like, buck simple, knife, too. A buck, buck knife, a, that cheap old buck knife, you know, the old little pen knife that, that a guy would keep in his shirt pocket because dudes wore shirts with pockets. I'd like to know, so, Dave, as, our, uh, as a connoisseur of slip joints, uh, would, would you consider a Victorinox a slip joint? Uh, Yeah. I would. What about an open all? 
open L. Open. I would call that more of like a locking friction folder in a way. Yeah, that's got a lock. That that's a you know, that's a bolster lock. You know, we say <laughs> we toss around the word bolster lock a lot. That's a bolster lock. That's like a collar lock though. You like just yeah. turn the Yeah, collar lock. Collar lock, whatever. I'm sure the French have a romantic name for it. But uh anyway. Anyhow, I what basically uh and then I got into folders, like the traditional, not traditional, I should say the tactical style folders, and I totally went down that route. And that's where I've been. And so going to things like Blade and getting to experience the wide range of, of these knives uh, was really eye-opening. And this knife is incredible. This knife has all the detail of any of these high-end tactical folders, but it's just a much simpler approach. It's not all the fancy materials. It's just perfect fit and finish uh just absolute perfect fit and finish i mean nothing is off at all yeah i uh and you know first time i was on the show i talked a little bit about why i you know gravitate towards those knives but um to me i think a lot of guys collect those knives because it reminds them of their grandpa who had that slip joint and it's kind of like the the old school feel to it uh for me it it, it isn't that uh, for me it's just it's simple and you do have all the components of of what there is to appreciate about a high-end um, modern knife. The fidget factor isn't really there, although at this point I can sit and open and close a slip joint and appreciate its smoothness. And um, you know, I would the, say it's there just in a different way. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like the same with like the shield that's on a slip joint is an inlay. Right. And you can see, like, what does that gap look like? Like, how perfectly is it fit? Like, can you see the pins at all? Can you, you know, is it flush? Is the back spring flush to the, um, to the. That's the thing. I will tell you that there are not many tactical folding knives that are finished to the perfection that, that this Pena is. Even his own, even his own knives, his own folding knives are not like this kind of perfect detail. Yeah, and that's what like is what I'm drawn to. It's not the it's not even really the history around them. It is just that they are simple and um they have an aesthetic, they have a, a personality to them. And although, you know, they're they're similar in many ways from each other, um once you really start digging in, you know, for me, like the different the way the patina on them, the older micartas form and the details in them and um also for me the, the the reality is that i throw it in my pocket and i don't even have a clip hanging out which in some instances for my job is an inconvenience um so i don't know it just it bit me from you know bit me early on and uh, i've come to appreciate all the the little details that make them special just like anyone would with with any well, knife you're drawn to you say you throw it in your pocket do you yeah. literally just even these high-end pieces just toss them straight in your pocket uh i I do. Um, so I have like, you know, a stack of different slips. Um, some of them are made by the slip joint makers as a nice like touch. Um, I have some that are just made by leather guys. And occasionally, um, you know, the, the couple that I have that are like pristine and I, I want to try and keep them that way. Uh, I will put them in a slip, but I actually don't like how a slip feels in my pocket. It kind of it's leather. It kind of feels like hot in my pocket. So I actually don't really care. And also for, really uh, like increases the bulk of what's in your pocket. It does. And when you need to use it, you have to, you know, it's already a knife you have to open with two hands. So now I have to take it out of 
my pocket, <laughs> take it out of the slip, put the slip down or put it back in my pocket, open it. You you know, so for me, yeah, I throw it in my pocket. Um, you know, most of all, I don't use my knives heavily. Like I like to cook those. My kitchen knives are the knives I use a lot. Those are the knives that get sharpened. Those are the knives I actually use. My knife collection, I carry a knife every day. You know, maybe I'll use it during the day. Maybe I won't. Um, <laughs> but I will use my knives and I do carry them. So like, you know, my my clips all have a little bit of rub marks on them. The stainless steel bolsters and shields on my slip joints all have swirl marks on them. I mean, are they're still all in great shape, um, but they are carried. And if they get scuffed up a little bit, you know, the slip joint guys, just like the the modern makers, you can send them in and they'll, you know, refinish the, the stainless, stainless or polish the shields up depending on how they're finished. So, uh, yeah, I totally put it in my pocket, but I also don't put anything else in that pocket. Oh, I see. Okay. So, yeah. you know, my, my, you know, like my grandfather would toss his case knife or buck knife, I guess it was probably a buck knife in with like his keys and $7 and change and you know how they <laughs> used to be. So like, that's my perception of, of how people carry these knives. And I have trouble that my, I'm limited. My job every day I wear scrubs. So I have a shirt pocket and I have a pocket on my right butt cheek and that's all I can carry. And then it's super lightweight fabric. So, like, I carry my knife actually on my waistband with the clip. Without a clip, I struggle to carry it. So that's a big limitation for me in these slip joints. But, I, yeah, I'm glad you sent this to me because I, I, I see a whole lot of awesome here. Yeah, I'm I feel glad. like carrying, like, a slip joint and, a, and, like, a sleek slip joint and, a, like, a leather pouch or whatever is similar to, you know, these super thin phones. And then you put one of those rugged... Otter box cases. Yeah. 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 Um, I also tend to um, carry a slip joint and carry a modern knife. That's not uncommon. Um, And most of my slip joints will fit nice uh, in the fifth pocket. So I'll usually like put a put a slippy in the fifth pocket and then in the same pocket clip something on uh, purely for my own enjoyment for no you know functional need whatsoever um but it's not uncommon that i'll carry two knives charlie i think that we we brought dave on uh because we couldn't get you on a a few times and i was wondering if you had any slip joints i don't know if you were there for our discussion when we talked about slippies uh i think this is my first episode with dave actually yeah yeah so what's your what do you have slippies what's your take i mean i've had i've had the same experience with slip joints similar to you i've had a and i still have a cadet that i do probably use more than any other knife um just because it's always on me kind of a thing and i'm not afraid to take it out anywhere right i don't know it's i just always had it and i i i give it away as gifts all the time the cadet is is really such a do you have one of the like alox ones yeah yeah i think i think they're all alox aren't they i'm not sure I'm not the kid, with the cadets, yeah, and like yeah, Frank, I, think, whole... I think the cadets are only a locks, and I would only get a locks. I mean, I don't really need a toothpick, and I would never use a toothpick. Yeah, uh, uh, I definitely see the value of the tweezer, but you know, you got to make do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's just the knife that you know somebody gives you when you're seven years old. You know, they might at least you know that's what happened to me. That's how I got that knife. I don't know. I mean, Frank, I, I've I've given well, I've given away the cadet as like a gift when I really can't think of anything. I think it's a it's a great gift for any guy at least. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Girl, probably yeah. not so much, but. Yeah, I think they're they're a great gift, and the classic, which is even smaller, they do those in in Alox yeah. and 
They're super but thin. The thing is, like, uh, the classic is, I think it's like 20 bucks. The ALOX yeah. is like 30 bucks, and it just feels way more premium just because of the ALOX scales, right? So Totally. Yeah, they're great knives, and Frank, like, I don't know if you really follow any of these guys, but there are people that are super into collecting Swiss Army knives, but they are primarily collecting the ALOX scaled ones. They come in mm -hmm. all sorts of colors. Some of them are limited, and some of these guys have, like, they there are huge, like, fo followership. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. I mean, it's just like any other major company. Like, people have yeah. all those paramilitary two-sprint runs and totally. stuff, but yeah. Victorinox has been around way longer, so much more history there and much more to collect. And I'm like you, Charlie. I keep a cadet in my bag every day. It is, like, pretty much if I if someone asks to borrow a knife or something, it's what I hand them. I have gifted the classics out um, to, like, my coworkers, both male and female, um, for that reason, because it is so small and <laughs> unassuming that, like, when you give it to anybody, regardless of what their interest is in having a knife or not, they love it, and, and they'll always circle back and be like, oh, I used the knife you gave me, da, da, da. Um, so it's a cool, like, I think slip joints and Swiss Army knives are similar in that it's a good way to approach the hobby with people that are not at all interested in it and start talking about like, oh, what makes a pocket knife cool? And, you know, oh, you know, you can kind of, you can ease into the, the end here is like a crazy flipper and here's something that's, yeah. you know, <laughs> a and here's a full black tie mask is Rob Carter. Yeah, really, <laughs> especially no, if, if I, if I, if I hand this knife, this BBM to anybody, they're like, what is this unicorn crap you just handed me? This is like, not even, this is not good. <laughs> Yeah, but a uh, slip joint you can you can show them those pieces. It's it's a thing. I, I would say, um, I guess in terms of like real slip joints, I've a, a big part of why I'm kind of looking forward to USN, which is at least two weeks out from this recording date. Uh, is I do I think you guys know I'm I'm like a huge Richard Rogers fan, so uh, he usually has a couple. Um, so if I can. You know, if, if, if I can luck my way into one, I definitely, I think the last few times I tried going for one of his Zork, not, I don't know what the model is called, but I don't know. I think I, I really like his stuff. Just he would be my like entry level. I don't even know where he stands, but I just really like his work. So, well, uh, I guess that's a good transition point. We were going to touch briefly about uh, the USN show that's coming up. Uh, it, for those of you who don't know, uh, the USN Gathering is one of the main custom knife shows of the year uh, in Las Vegas. And I think, Charlie, you're going to be going, right? Yeah, me and um, Mike and a couple of friends, uh, we're, we're going to go and meet up and stuff. Um, yeah, that'll be great. Uh, you're hunt you said you're hunting a Rogers, potentially. Everyone likes Rogers. Yeah. What, uh, what else are you hunting? Um, I mean, the rest of my list is, is pretty much the bucket list for everybody. The Lee Lerman's, um, Black Snow. Uh, nice. I don't know if Lee Williams is going to be there or like Rexford. I haven't really checked the list. Um, but Lee Lerman's a big one. I've been really following his stuff and I really want to pick up one of his, uh, Sigma sixes, even if it's, you know, even if it's, uh, trying to get it off someone else who will probably win it. But um, yeah, man. Well, I hope that you uh, get yourself a nice uh, piece while you're there. Seriously. Yeah, I've been I, I've been saving quite a bit for um, this, seeing that I I didn't get a chance to go to Blade or anything like that. So 
Um, but USN is pretty cool. It's definitely a little bit more um, higher end than Blade Show, uh, relatively anyway. I think uh, I think the way that you described it a few minutes ago was like a a more snooty blade show. Yeah, a, a, like t- a tiny bit more snobby, I would say. Yeah. Not not to the levels of like TKI and stuff like that, but uh, definitely yeah. a little. You won't really see. I I think I think the the typical picture or meme you see at like blade show is just you know people flipping their ballet songs or whatever, and then they're like. Kershaw's and stuff like that. You 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 pretty much won't see that here. Uh, I think minimum bar of entry is like you got to have a few resentees and something like that. That's like <laughs> and it's and it's more of a custom folding yeah. tactical knife show. It's it's pretty much just custom tactical knives. Yeah. And I, I I don't really like the term tactical knives, especially for you know the type of stuff we see nowadays. There's nothing really tactical about them. Yes. It's yes. More I in, I use the term in, very loosely. Yeah. 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 So it's always weird when when you see these like what we consider dress knives to win like best tactical folder kind of a thing, you know. There does need to be a better word to describe them, but it's uh you know it's kind of just the the catch-all term that I use for modern folding knives kind of that that I'm into, right. I guess. Yeah. No, it makes sense, but it's like there's <laughs> there's nothing tactical about like a, a Sigma 6 or even, you know, the front flippers, I think they they're considered tactical knives too. Definitely not anything tactical yeah. about a three-inch chamois. Uh, so cool. You've been to USN before then? Yes. Uh, I think USN is probably my favorite show just in terms of like what is that? Uh, um, location, right? It's, it is it is in Vegas. So once you get done with uh, Planet Hollywood, you're right on the strip anyway. Um, and it's more accessible to me being from the West Coast too. And I'm just more interested all around in like their offerings, right? Um, sure. I think for Blade, you have you you maybe visit like 20% of the tables and you skip over the other ones. Um, maybe you'll go and fondle a few things, but it really doesn't tickle your balls, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not. <laughs> it's not, especially for you, especially you know. As your tastes evolve, if especially if you're into just custom knives, yeah, Blade show I mean, you're gonna go see the ten people you want to see, and that's right, it. right, right. I mean, I'm not as snobby as uh, as like Frank or or, or, <laughs> not, <laughs> or Dave or Mike. I think I meant I meant I meant mostly uh, Dave and Mike. I think Frank, you still you still mess. You still, I, I still see you buy, buying spider codes and stuff. So I mean, yeah, I pretty much, yeah, I get spider codes from time to time. I still, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Those. I mean, I, I, I just bought a Chris Reeve too. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, I just bought a new Insingo. That's sick, sick knife. Didn't you just say you bought that for the sixth time? <laughs> Something like that. I keep buying it and selling it, and because, you know, it is still just like a super solid knife. But then it's still just a Chris Reed for me, so it's, yeah, it's yeah, one I'm of those things you visit. They're like when you have them in your collection and you need to free up some funds, they're they're easy to sell because you yep. need them again. And then when yep. you don't have one in your collection, you want to have one. Um, yeah, I, I, always, I don't really yeah. know why I have it. It's just it's nice, and then I'll probably get over it in a month, and then probably get rid of it, and then some month down the line might pick it up again just because. It's, it's really good to remind yourself of what a 
a really perfectly made knife is like. I mean, they they do a perfect job it, with their it. Knife. It is true. It is true. You you kind of lose grasp of these things. I think when it comes to if you, if you dive too far into like the custom world, you I think I think what the the usual phase is you realize okay, well there's always some sort of a tiny issue and then you go back to like a well-made production knife and you realize okay well with production knives they, they iterate on them and so on and so forth but for some custom knives uh not to name any makers or whatever the you know the, the, there's too many models too many designs and it's not like fully you know perfected and iterated it's just one iteration yes. of it and then they create this next thing and then you know you're, you're gonna like even for the bbm i would say um i think one of the reasons I got rid of it the first time around was because I didn't really like how the pocket clip worked. It, 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 it's, it's, it's not sticky. great. It's not excellent. Yeah. It's, it's, and then you compare it to, you know, something like, like a Chris Reeve or like a, a, a Koenig knife kind of a thing. And you, you're like, okay, well this is tried and true and it functions as a pocket clip. Yes. If I were like on an Island and I needed one knife, to take with me out of like my collection, it would be a Sabenza without a doubt. Ah, it should probably be your Michael Raymond, I would say, right? <laughs> Mine would definitely be a paramilitary too, but uh, yes, a Sabenza would be a very good option. I just think, like, from a trustworthiness, like, I feel really confident, like, sure, with the lock, with the build, sure, that beat, you can beat on that knife, for yeah, sure. totally. even, even on an island, you wouldn't beat on your Starlet. well uh so i mean that brings up an interesting topic and one that uh, maybe we wanted to touch on uh we wanted to give a shout out to our uh, friends uh, and neighbors the knife nuts podcast i think they touched briefly on a topic like this uh in their most recent episode but uh, we were having this discussion uh right before the podcast started and we wanted to just uh touch on it and and charlie started out knives that we've sold and then bought again or maybe just knives that we've sold and then just tremendously regretted it. I think uh, in the custom knife game, oftentimes there's kind of just like a one-of-one kind of a deal, a custom knife that you have that's a one-off, and then you sell it and you regret it. So it's different than selling a a Sabenza that you can go buy again, but uh, maybe we wanted to just touch on that. And Charlie, I guess you did a great job starting it out. Uh, you talked about the uh, Sabenza. You talked about the BBM. So you got both of those back. Dave? Uh, yeah, for me, definitely the Sabenza has been a knife that I have bought and sold um, probably six, seven, eight times. Um, and it's typically an Insingo. I like that blade shape quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm scrolling through my feed here looking for some things that really break my heart. Frank, we were talking about this recently. Like, at the end of the day, these are just knives, and yes. you know, it's. I think it's healthy to be able to sell a knife and be okay with it, um, especially you know for for us who we don't have unlimited funds and we want to continue to get our hands on new knives. So if you're not okay to sell a knife, especially if somebody makes you an offer that's you know what you paid or more, um, or maybe they're they're a maker that's kind of hot right now and and you know that may not necessarily always be the case. It's cool to to be okay with moving it. Um, I had a knife by Jonah Inglesius. Um, it was an Ion that I got at the New York 
oh no, the East Coast Custom Knife Show when it was down in Florida a couple of years ago. Um, it was just a really great, fun knife, like awesome detent, thumb opener. Um, and it was just one of those where, you know, something had to go and I let it go. But I really miss having that knife in my collection. Um, mm-hmm. Really fun to to carry and to flip and stuff like that. He makes a really awesome knife. He just has his own style. It's really cool. Yeah, he's a cool dude, man. And he's so uh, down to earth in his approach to building knives. are really cool. Like he... I don't know if this is still the case, but we were talking and he uh, like the way he makes his thumb studs is he like puts a puts them into like a drill, like a hand drill and uses it like a lathe. And, you know, he's just truly making handmade knives. And uh, I enjoy that very much. Cool. Uh, I had a, I had that Jonas Iglesias with the Mokume, the front scale. I uh, I've always kind of secretly been looking for someone to be selling a a vault at a reasonable price in like an EDC finish, but they're kind of hard to find. Yeah. When it comes to his knives, that's definitely the most desirable model. Um, but you should definitely keep looking. I know the one you had was not like a super early build, but his more and more recent knives, um, his blade stocks gotten thinner and they've just gotten more refined. And yeah, I think, I think I ended up handling one of his newer ones and I was like, yeah. I need one of those. <laughs> he, he has gotten tremendously better. Um, he was never really bad. A knife that I actually bought and then sold and then bought back again was um, it was one of the very first custom knives I bought. It was a Lanny's Clip by Enrique Pena. Um, it it was like right when I first kind of was like understanding like who these makers were, and obviously his name comes up when you talk about like really well executed and consistent slip joints he had posted like a first come first serve on his website it was a carbon fiber scaled it was a like a liner list so it, it had g10 liners but they weren't stainless um and so i bought it um direct from him had it for a while and then this was when my you know i was buying and selling a lot to kind of build out my collection so i sold it um and then it came up for sale the same knife um probably six months later and uh and i went and bought it again it was just a great knife because it was super lightweight like perfect to throw in your pocket without a slip or anything barely noticed it but like was really substantial still um and then ultimately i sold it again but that was a knife that uh i missed having enough that i bought it and then kind of remembered like okay yeah this wasn't this isn't like a a keeper keeper for me and so i sold it again so i think sometimes that happens to you the the romance of the knife once it's gone gets the best of you and you go and find it and then you're kind of reminded of like oh yeah well uh, as much as i liked it and missed it uh it ultimately wasn't meant to be you know when it comes to the whole uh thinner blade stock thing the the other maker who's really been i've, I've been a big fan of lately is uh cmf ian yeah yeah yeah, I, same he's, yeah his stuff is like leaps and bounds like over and over again and it's it's pretty nuts I, i'm really looking forward to seeing his his stuff at the gathering too um, he's really he's really leapfrogged over the course of the last year and a half i think him and jonas are similar in that they're both relatively new makers and the progress they've made in such a short amount of time is pretty mind-blowing and and it's something to get excited about like look where these guys have come in the last few years and imagine what that'll be like in the next few years what those guys will be doing will be pretty impressive yeah yeah ian's like got us really sick like uh design language um that he sticks to uh like you can't really mistake his knives and he, and he's always like his latest one uh 
the the one with the I don't know what to call it the skeletonized backspace or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's sick. that's so cool, man. You know, I I will say that uh, Ian was one of those makers that uh, made a bunch of models. Then I got kind of lost in his progress uh, for a minute, but he kind of came back around to a couple of his models and has have been refining them lately. And it's just incredible work. The Affair R is like one of my favorite knives. It's just so beautiful. Uh, and then, of course, his uh, you know most recent Crusades and all these most recent ones are just beautiful. Uh, yeah, so that's really cool. Especially, especially because now that he's making the smaller models, I remember um, last USN actually was the first time I I bumped into him, and he showed me his mini Crusade. Maybe it was is one of his mm -hmm. like three inch, maybe two two point seven five inch folders. I was like, this is almost perfect. Except you know, I had like a a quarter inch blade stock, but um, <laughs> but even now that's much thinner. Like I handled. Yeah. Uh, I guess it was so, the auction piece from Blade Show that uh, Warren won. Was one with the Rob Maskus clip that was so uh, elegant and, and thin and slicey and quick and just so nicely done. Just yep. really incredible work. Yeah, I mean the the stuff he makes now is just like right down my wheelhouse, and this is like, oh god, it's so nice. Oh man, you should ask him. Be like, hey, bruh. <laughs> It's it's a ball tickler, I'll tell you that. I'll tell, there you go. It's tickling Charlie's balls. That's unusual because usually it's only the Russians and the South Africans, so that's pretty good. We're getting the Americans in there too now. I've I've always liked Rogers stuff and obviously the Monroe sigils and the ciphers and stuff. Oh like, yeah, oh yeah. I mean Derek is a, Derek is an enigma. Can't can't find his stuff anywhere. That's fine. I'll take a minute and shout out Richard. He, uh, Richard Rogers, uh, shot me a message on Instagram. Um, he had heard us talking about him on the podcast and he just wanted to say thank you. And he kind of just started getting into listening to podcasts. So, uh, shout out to you, Mr. Rogers. It was cool to hear from you and, uh, open invitation to join us on the podcast. We started a little dialogue there. We'll see if, uh, see if that comes to fruition. Oh, that'd be awesome. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. That's really cool. Um, I'm looking through my feed here. Another knife for me that I sold that I miss having um, and don't know if I would buy again for a pretty specific reason, but I had a Jason Guthrie Scout. Uh, e. I bought that so many times. Such <laughs> yeah. a nice knife. <laughs> the one I had was just purple G10 scales and uh, just a, a hand rub blade. And I ultimately sold it because it was like the perfect EDC custom in that, you know, like it was ready to be used. The action was awesome on it. And, but it almost like fell into this weird category where it's a high enough custom knife, a, a, an expensive enough knife that you wouldn't necessarily use it to like beat up all the time, but it was sort of yes. like perfect EDC knife. So I was like, I'm going to reach for a, a para three or a PM two, or I'm going to reach for a Sabenza before I reach for this Guthrie or I'm going to reach for something a little bit higher end if I just want to carry something cool. Um, and so I found myself like not really using it and not really carrying it too much. So, so I ultimately let it go. Um, that's but, a really uh, interesting psychological analysis. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I, I definitely have had knives and that. And one of them was the scout. I yeah. had the one with that copper shred scale on it a while back and, uh, same thing, same thing. Do you still have the full dress piece? No, I ended up selling that one uh, before Blade Show. I had to collect some funds, uh, mostly to get that uh, Frank Fisher Fury. That one was quite a, a hefty sum. 
and right. I had to to sacrifice that one to make that happen. The scout is just it's it's, it's such a nice knife, but I'm 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 kind of weird in the in in the sense that you know I, I don't really like having things that too many people have, and but it, it's it's such a good knife, you know. It's a great knife, and it just it's even better because Jason is one of the nicest guys in the world, just a super nice guy all around. Um, you know, I, one of the knives that I regretted selling was also the Scout. I ended up having that plain one, and then I sold it and got the full dress one. Uh, I would say a knife that I still think about that I regret selling was my F3R, my Shiro F3R. And Charlie's that's going to make him smile a little bit, but uh, nah, I'm a big fan of the F3 model. I freaking love that knife, man. I really enjoyed the liner lock uh, nature of it. Uh, I feel like the Shiro uh, frame locks and stuff always had that like slidey nature to it with the lock, and it just kind of was off-putting to me. But the uh, the liner lock is always appealing, and putting those scales on it was a lot of fun. I would like uh, to see him come out with just like a smaller liner lock, like a like a F neon kind of a thing. Yeah, like uh, I'd like to see them come out with something in between the Neon and the F series because even the new Neon Zero is still a little bit too small for me. Like a 3.5 kind of a thing. I, yeah. you'll, you'll probably see something like that in probably one of their collabs, which I hope so. I, I'll, I'll say they, they've been ramping up a lot on their custom division slash sprint run slash collaboration offerings. I don't know. They've they, been doing a lot. So, a bit, they're, they're so accessible now, uh, for better or for worse, you know. I mean, those Chris Reeve ones are like, I don't know, not for me. What do you yeah. think of those? I don't, not the biggest fan of them, because I'm yeah. more like a purist of sure. sorts. Sure. I've I've never really had, or I've never really been into any of the collabs. They're like cool and they're 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 cool you know but uh my favorite models were always like you know the f5 the neon yeah or just like an f95 or something like that just like they uh that that f what was that one the f5 slim silk the f5 slim silk is just just a perfect damn thing yeah it's clean neutral lines uh just nothing extra everything that is good about shiro is you know it's i i've i've never i i know they have that pretty cool one with lee williams but it's like 45 inches long so oh yeah it's hard and, to, and it's hard to use i mean that that kickstop is not easy to use on that knife it's a cool kickstop it's so kickstop I, I will say on some of lee's stuff uh, it feels a little bit loose you know what i mean because it is a separate piece right yeah but on the uh on the collab it it feels more like a one piece like sturdy you can trust yes. it more ra- rather than this rattling piece. did you get did you ever get your hands on one of those uh wingman edc lee williams knives oh no but I, i've seen your video on it um <laughs> I've had so I've had uh, one of my very first knives. Uh, this was this this was a while ago, but I had his. I had a Kershaw Overdrive, I think is what it's called, like an OD one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so those had the kickstop too, and I remember 
it not being a special thing. So the first time I saw a kickstop, I was like, oh, it's just uh, Kershaw's had that stuff, you know. So like this was this was pretty early in my in my collecting, but uh, it, it, it's it's cool. Uh, I, I will say nothing beats like That's just having funny. a Lee Williams you saw, night. You saw the, uh, uh, the kickstop, and you're like, ah, it's Kershaw. That's a Kershaw thing. Yeah. <laughs> But obviously, he's he's one of my favorite makers right now, just because it, his stuff has been a little bit elusive to me. Um, and just like the right one, I know you can get his larger pieces, which I'm not super into. I would like uh, one of his. God, I forgot the model, but it's the bolster bolster lock one with the kickstop. It's about three three and a quarter. I've always wanted one, and I. I that's the only one I'll, I'll really try and get, which hopefully I, I still need. To, I, I need to check the USN uh, exhibitor list. And you should Open get on thing. one of his. Uh, he was there last year. Shops. You should do one of the kick shops. I'm not a knife maker. Well, none of those guys are knife makers, bro. I mean, they're the Lee Williams yeah, is a knife maker. Yeah, so it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, I work in tech. People think I'm good with computers. No, I'm not. I just. This is I work with them. It doesn't mean I can I know why your phone is lagging and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's and a good it's, question. It's like, I get a lot when I'm talking to people about knives, like, oh, do you ever think about making them? And I I'm certainly not, yeah. not, not creative, but I'm not interested in yeah. really working with those materials specifically. Exactly. Um I yes. am definitely a collector when it comes to knives. I am a, a appreciator. It's like if I drink beer, I don't brew it. It, I don't have to, right. you know. Yeah, like my interest in things in general doesn't get to that like molecular level of things. Like I right. like to cook, but I don't like to farm. Um, you know, <laughs> I I like computers, but I don't like to program. I like, you know, uh, I like knives. I'm not interested in making them. So I do have a typically like when I get into a hobby, I do get into it pretty deep and become you know relatively knowledgeable and. Um, compulsive and obsessive about it but it, it kind of stops at at a certain point of of typically of appreciation or, or engaging with not really uh creating or, or you know forging it, sure. it's probably have, fair to say that anybody that reaches you know our level of collecting for anything is some kind of crazy uh and just obsessive in in some way to to, to hit the levels that we've hit but and I think it's oh, funny yeah. that most Absolutely. most knife makers are not collectors. In fact, you know they maybe have like they, some of these guys don't even have their own knife yeah. that they carry. You exactly. know, uh, it's just a different type of person. Yeah, um, we appreciate them and they need us <laughs> to 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 continue to do that work. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I I share your guys' feelings. I'm not the biggest. Uh, collector or or fan of uh, not not a fan i, I appreciate them but col collabs in general i i'm kind of a purist and usually when i go after a maker i want their maybe that signature model or that thing that is very specific to them um like that you know that russian flipping hikido like i like barker knives his knives are, are rad and um if i were to have one it wouldn't be the the shiro collab and if i yeah. were to have Shiro, it would probably be one of their original model models yeah, I think those knives exist mostly for people that collect the Shiro collabs. Yeah. Uh, and namely the Russians. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're cool. They're very well done. I, I think that they're they're mostly collector pieces. But, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I'd rather also have the base models. 
I thought I was going to have I, a Shiro. I think on that topic, uh, so what what I've heard is Shiro's are going to focus a lot more on the American market over over the Russian market, um, at least for the foreseeable future, whether it's the production or the custom divisions. But I think we'll be seeing a lot more of it just on our side. Uh, before, it was kind of split. Uh, and even before that, it was more favored to, towards the Russians. But now I think they're, they're, they're shifting the focus. Well, money I'm talks. There's a lot of money here. I, I think that's what I've heard. I could be making it up. I'm not sure. <clears throat> it seems that uh, in recent months, uh, knives that are advertised by the Shirogorov folks on their main like Instagram feed show up in the US at the same time as they do in Russia or you know maybe very shortly after whereas before they were in Russia for a long time and then they would be in the US at least that's what it felt like I remember when the neon lights first came out um and Recon 1 was obviously the only uh the only real dealer at the time and there was a wait list this was maybe 2016 it was a huge wait list for them, and they were so hard to get. I think uh, the secondary market for them was around eight or nine hundred dollars for a neon light. Um, I remember two showed up on night. Now that's just the now that's just the regular price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will say like the prices also have trickled up in general. Uh, I think when I I was looking at the Sabenza 21, the carbon fiber one from Knifefire, I remember when that was 3.95. It's 4.50 now. Oh, that is up. And the uh, Shiro, the <clears throat> the CD collapse, the the one with Chris Reeve, those are 1,900 table. Uh, before, I think all of the CDs were I think 1,500 table, give or take. Um, so. Yeah, we'll say uh, the prices have gone up. And with, you know, it, I don't want to say there's an, a recession or something like that, but eh, different. Uh, well, I would say I've noticed that the general trend for almost all knives has been up. I don't know if that's well, mo our money I, is worth I, less or I, what. I but. don't think that's true, right? When you look at just the, let's say, the $200 market or the $300 market, I would say that's a lot more saturated with a lot higher quality stuff than before, yes. you know? But uh, I would say that, I, I guess a lot of the, the overseas companies, but uh, yeah. definitely $200, $300 right now, the knives you get for that amount of money before were just garbage, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think right now. There's a lot more knives in that price point now than there used to be right like five years ago what it was i mean really it was like hinder cursory of like what what yeah. other knives were sort of in that three four hundred dollar price point it was like strider hinder or chris reeve and that was it yeah. and jim that was the jim skelton video you know what i mean like the striders uh medford's right yeah, yeah and they were all really bad at that point they've all all those knives have gotten a lot better in the last five years yeah, I'll, I, I'll, I'll say Chris Reeve has been pretty consistent. Um, for better yes, for worse, right? It's, it's it's more like everyone else has caught up. And the other ones, yeah. surpassed them at this point. But before, <clears throat> they were like the golden standard, and nobody would say three hundred dollars for a Chris Reeve was not worth it. I think for sure. Yeah, I like those new Gen Three Strider PTs. I had, a, I had an earlier PT CC, 
and I love the size of it and the design of it, um, but I got rid of it because it was just kind of janky. And uh, <laughs> these new ones seem to be pretty dialed in, and they've refined them a little bit, and I definitely want to snag one of those given a chance. I've nice. always wanted a PT, and I, I can never find one that was just right, yeah. made right, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, it was also one of those things that I think I eventually just outgrew it, and I never went back to it. Um, it just didn't really catch my eye but speaking of which so i've heard at least uh, a friend of mine told me did you know the the ckf 520 pre-orders already happened I, I i didn't know that i thought they were yet to go live but apparently they already they already uh, uh open and closed uh no i guess i didn't uh maybe i didn't notice that maybe i did i, I don't know i don't think i was paying attention because, I mean, that's, like, one of the most sought-after things that I can think of this year, at least for me, on the production side of things. That will probably be the number one sought-after production knife. Yeah, so I'm surprised that I didn't see anything regarding that. It kind of sucks. They must have just done it very quickly and quietly, and it just happened and then went away. But don't worry, they'll pop up on the secondary for, like, you know... 50% more. <laughs> yeah, I think the 23s have started to, you know, I'm seeing them in the 400 to $500 range. Pop. I think that's pretty close to what they sold. Yeah, for. I mean, they were like 550 and 590 straight from the factory. So if you're getting them for less than that, it's a good price. The thing about production knives is it's really hard to sell a, a full-on production knife for more money than you paid for it. Yeah, but the it's it's a fifth twenty though that 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 would do it I think. Yeah, that would do it. That would definitely do it. Um, yeah, well, well, that's that should be cool. I would like to see Charlie get a production knife. Uh, <laughs> I was actually thinking about that um, today. Like, it'd be fun for us all to like spend a hundred bucks on a production knife and send it to like each one of us, and then talk about it on an episode so maybe secret, we can do something like that secret I've got, a, it up. Yeah. I've got a i've got a crkt ceo that somebody sent me it is it's quite nice actually i must say it's i think it's uh it's the production version of the rogers ceo or rogers uh shoot executive i believe yeah it's it's nice it's the, the skinny it's, one it's, yeah it's 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 centered that's uh that's like <laughs> it's centered and it's on it's on bearings and the action's good and the blade is sharpish and the 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 edge is messy but it's a cool little knife um for 40 bucks i mean i i don't really know what to think of it just because i i, I have no emotion when it comes to if you purchase like a forty fifty dollar knife, I'll flip it a couple times, and I I don't know how to react to it. Just it it you know, it's an indifference. I I guess. Yeah, I think that the, that's what we struggle with when we see these knives now at that price point. You're just like, what do I even do with this? Like I feel yeah, bad. But what do you want me to say? Sort of like it's a, it's like a special needs knife. You're just like I can't be rude to this knife. It's like uh, it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying that kind of stuff. Anyways, uh, I think we've had a pretty good conversation tonight. I think we just wanted to 
get back in the swing of things and, and bring Charlie back into the fold. Uh, but I think we're going to be wrapping up here tonight, if that's okay with you guys. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, I think that we're going to shoot for trying to get Charlie on more episodes. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Eugene is uh, not going to be on the cast anymore for the foreseeable future. Let's all wish him well. Uh, and we'll try to get Mike on the next one. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, I'm Frank. You can find me as Dr. Frunky on YouTube and Instagram, guys. I'm Dave, every Dave Carry on Instagram. And I'm uh, accidentally nice on Instagram.com. <laughs> that is right. That is right. Well, thank you all for listening uh, to this episode, and we hope to see you on the next episode of the Knife Life Podcast. Take care. Okay. I want to say it. I want to say it. Say it. Say it. And uh, hey, have a nice knife life. Have a very knife life.